one day I, w- I was in London um, about three or four years ago and I just put some money down on a hotel. I went around and saw a whole load and I said, okay, look, let's, let's find one that will fit 100 people in and let's do it. And it was as simple as that, Zach. I put the money down um, and then obviously worried for the next six months thinking, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? I've, I've never run an event before. I'm out of my depth here. Uh, but that that really was the kind of the, the the history behind it and how kind of quickly it developed. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last-minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Before we dive in, just want to give a quick, quick thank you and shout out to our friends over at TouchStay. TouchStay enables hosts to build beautiful digital guidebooks in a matter of minutes. They help you enhance the entire guest experience by packaging your recommendations for coffee, wine bars, artisan bakeries, and Michelin star restaurants in a single online location. Guests can access everything through a simple link. And yes, it works without a Wi-Fi connection, which is super key, especially if you're in a more remote location. TouchStay allows you to customize your guidebook to match your brand. You can pick the colors, fonts, and images that best align with your short-term rental. Learn more about a plethora of other features they have and start your free trial at touchstay.com forward slash BTS. That's BTS as in behind the stays. Thank you, TouchStay, for making this conversation possible. In just a moment, you'll meet Damien Sheridan, founder of the Book Direct and Scale Rentals shows, a couple of the leading events for short-term rental hosts and property managers interested in building their direct booking strategies. Growing up, Damien wanted to be a professional footballer, but he quickly learned that in addition to passion for the game, well, you needed skill too. Years later, while working at a travel agency, Damien developed an affinity for search engine optimization, also known as SEO. The idea that with the right set of strategies and tactics, you could rank number one on Google for a term like best vacation rentals in Miami totally fascinated him. And before too long, he became something of an expert in SEO. Tune in to hear the motivational story of how Damien parlayed his SEO skills into a full-time gig and what inspired him to build a collection of niche, in-person events for hosts and operators interested in growing their direct bookings. All right, without further ado, Get ready to meet Damien. All right, Damien, we are we're live, man. How are you doing? How are you doing this fine morning? I'm great, Zach. Yes, it's afternoon here in That's the South true. of Spain. Uh, so it's very early for you, but I'm very good. Thank you very much for enjoy- for inviting me. Yeah, I'm I, I'm excited to to chat. I feel like I'm chatting with like a I don't know like a LinkedIn like famous dude or something like that. Like I, I feel <laughs> I feel like. Uh, Every time I talk to somebody in the industry, they're like, oh, yeah, like, have you have you heard of Damien Sheridan or have you heard of the Book Direct show or like, and it, I, I feel like you've been just popping up all over the place as I have immersed myself uh, a little bit into this new industry. And I just consider it a huge privilege to be chatting with you today. Oh, 
that's that's really lovely. Thank you very much, Zach. Yeah, well, you know, I, I I'm not uh, omnipresent all over every social channels. LinkedIn is the one I focus on, so uh, that's probably where the you know most of my efforts are. Uh, and hopefully, I don't bore people too much uh, <laughs> spreading the word of, of uh, direct bookings and our scale rentals brand. So yeah, we we, we do our best to, to try and get the brand out there. No, yeah, you guys are you guys are crushing it. Um, Damien, one of my favorite things to ask folks when they come on the show as a as a way to just help the audience uh, get a better sense of who you are is to ask them this question. Um, if I were to crash a happy hour with with you and, and some of your closest friends, and if I were to ask them to tell me a little bit about Damien, what do you think that they would say? And or is there a is there a story that they might immediately tell? Um, wow. Um, okay. This, this, that's a different angle. I like that. Um, you know, I'd say most of my close friends probably would consider me to be quite a loyal and uh, fun loving person. Um, someone who's, you know, kind of introverted, but confident at the same time. Um, you know, I'm not a natural speaker or anything like that, but uh, Hey, I'm okay to get up in front of a couple of hundred people just to talk about things that I'm passionate about. Uh, and I think most of my close friends and family would recognize that. So, yeah, kind of someone who historically maybe has been on the periphery. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I jump in now and every uh, every now and again when I when I think uh, things matter. So but uh, yeah, I, um, I think my, my friends are important to me. And um, yeah, you know, hopefully I'm important to them. <laughs> stories as such let me have a think if i think of something before we're finished i'll uh All right, I'll you, can, you... you can just interrupt wherever we're at and splice that story in um <laughs> uh on a on a related note um do you think that 10 year old damien would have thought that you'd be doing what you're doing now or or what did like 10 year old you want to be a professional footballer um, when I say football, I'm talking about soccer <laughs> yes, in Europe yes. uh, all the way. I wanted to play for Ireland and Man United, and that was it. That was my dream. Uh, my folks, uh, they, you know, and they, they supported me in that ambition. You know, unfortunately, just the lack of talent was the only thing that, uh, <laughs> that was always going to be in the way. Uh, but that was my thing. Uh, not, I mean, really, I think probably as with most people in our industry, Zach, I, you know, we, I kind of fell into this. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I certainly didn't think when I was 10, year old, 10 years old, I wanted to be uh, an event director and a, an SEO strategist. Um, so that really didn't come until much later on in life. I, uh, you know, I admittedly found it hard to have a focus or a, a, an ambition in terms of a career mm. for, for quite a long time. Um, so, yeah, just the, the the football was was my thing. And that was so your I've, passion. You know, I'm, I'm still available for selection. So uh, let's put it that way. <laughs> Oh, uh, hey man, there's there's always hope. You never know. You never know. Um, I'm awaiting the call. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm excited to talk about a couple of your like primary what I, what I would just call projects, brands, companies. I don't know how you would refer to them yourself, but like Scale Rentals and the Book Direct Show, I think are what most people who are tuning into this conversation might know you for. Um, and I want to talk all about um, these these events and and the businesses around them momentarily. But but first, I I really want to understand a little bit more about how you how you came into the industry. Uh, to begin with, like, again, you mentioned before you wanted your dream was to be a football player. Yeah, you you weren't necessarily thinking about working in hospitality, let alone running shows and events. So so how did you ultimately come into the industry? What's the what's the story there? So I let me see. Um, if I go back to probably my first 
proper job was in London. I worked at a, a travel agency called STA Travel, which uh, specialized in like youth and student travel uh, okay. in my early 20s. So I worked there in London for several years before moving into business travel. I worked in several travel management companies. So travel was my <clears throat> was my thing mm. um, and where I worked and my, my livelihood at the time. Um, and at the same time, in the early 2000s, 2003, I purchased a property in the south of Spain. Um, and really, like many of us, again, to help pay off the mortgage, yeah. I started renting it out and looking at various ways to rent out the property um, way before Airbnb days. So you had to think a little bit more creatively um, about marketing, using print advertising, which obviously not a lot of people now would even consider. Huh. Uh, corner shop uh, posters, th this kind of thing. So um, that was, yeah, kind of stretches back to then, really. Um, and the more we had some guests coming in, um, the more I kind of learned about the guest experience and hospitality and, and treating that guest well and what they expected, how to build up a rapport. The, the rapport is so important and mm. it's still it. Um, and I think we really have to retain that that level of that um just thinking about the guest relationship that we have and not just using automated technology and considering a, a booking just to be a transaction. You know, yeah. you know, you think about the guests. So I was aware of that from a very early stage in my hospitality career, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, things evolved, but that, that was really where it started from. Um, my kind of my working in travel and um, just a slow introduction with the, the one property that I had in in Spain were what was it like like were you were you self-managing at that point or were you working with a property management company and I, I guess like for, for it might be hard for some of us right to, to remember a world where like we weren't communicating with people via you know an Airbnb or, or Verbo app right or or even through our own text messages if we're if we're uh, you know if someone booked our property directly what what was it like like how did you how did you feel about like monitoring the guest experience how, how did you feel comfortable letting people into this space like it was such a it was so different than it is now do you remember anything about what those like early days of, of hosting were like sure yeah and i remember the first couple that we had they came from new zealand and uh, it was that that like kind of oh my goodness <laughs> you know we've never done this what what do we expect um i think many of us as as homeowners uh, those of us who start a journey as a homeowner, it's that first decision that you're going to open up your doors for strangers, effectively, yeah. is a hard one to to overcome. Um, but once you do, and when you start having guests in, you realize, you know, for the most part, they're, you know, people are great people. They, they the guests are great people. They want to experience your local area. And uh, they're generally very positive about yeah. staying in your property. And for the most part, will not create any problems, cause damage, etc., of course, you know, as you go along your journey, you will, you know, get some exceptions to that rule. Um, but uh, it was it was a very manual process back in those days, for sure. Um, all spreadsheets and, uh, you know, there weren't PMSs. Well, there were, but they weren't well known. I certainly didn't use one at the time just for one property um, and, you know, syncing up availability calendars from different listing sites. Uh, it was all manual. It was a lot yeah, <laughs> it was a lot more manual, a lot tougher. Um, and I would definitely say now the entry um, into our industry is, is I think it's too difficult, mm. actually. Uh, too, sorry, too easy. Too easy, yeah. Uh, I think you can just list a, a place on Airbnb in, in a matter of hours and boom, you're, you're ready to go. Uh, but I think it, um, back in the day, you did have to think about it a little bit more. 
Uh, and, and as I said, think very creatively about your marketing. Um, but yeah, I it was totally self-managed myself. Yeah. Um, the uh, <laughs> One story I recount a lot of people is that, um, you know, with cleaners, we know now that cleaning, getting good cleaners is a real problem. Especially for large property management companies, it's uh, there are there's a real scarcity of of clean cleaners. Yeah. The one, the only complaint I ever had about cleaning was when I did it myself. <laughs> so I thought, okay, this is a skill that I do not have, and we I need to get someone who's a proper cleaner or a proper company to do this. So which I did. I found uh, a good one nearby. But uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's the thing. That mindset of knowing you can't do everything yourself. You yeah. Know, you need some things you need to delegate. Um, so, but you know, you also need to just be aware that, you know, especially with cleaners, they are worth their weight in gold. Yeah. Uh, our, our industry specifically. I, uh, that I, I love, safe. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that you brought this up because I, I would even extend that. Um, and, and, you know, I might get some bad reviews for saying this, but like to, to design, right? Like I think a lot of people think that they are good at design or they think that they have a good eye and, I would say if the intent is to design sort of a a more luxurious space, um, a, a higher end property, like at least at least pay like a, a you know a flat rate like consultant to just come and review what you have what like what your 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 plans for the place are and and the space are because I I feel like we're all biased and thinking oh like I you know I've seen enough cool spots you know cool things on Instagram or my Pinterest is like like you know uh, beautiful. I got this, like, I got this, right? And and then I, I do feel like it, it's one of those things that is also a skill. Like, so I, I wish in, in the same vein that you learned, right, that, hey, like, maybe my talents lie elsewhere beyond cleaning. I, I do think I would encourage, like, hosts to think a little bit, uh, espe- again, especially if you're trying to design a, a more high-quality experience, to at least consult uh, a, an outside designer to to just verify that the direction that you're heading in is is the right one. I think that's a great uh, a great observation, and and I think one that hotels could learn from as well. Yeah, um, I, I stayed at a place in Paris uh, two days ago, and it was such a sterile, just drab experience. You know, you just walk in and just a plain room, and this is like a big chain huh. that most people would have heard of. Awful, awful experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we 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 definitely need help. And my my partner, quite fortunately, she's she's very creative. Uh, she's a photographer as well, so she can brighten up a place in seconds, a skill that I don't have. So that's, yeah, these things are best delegated <laughs> and, and worked on, evolved as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's worth thinking as well about in terms of design, who your ideal market is, your guest avatar. Yeah. Um, but you want to appeal to them as well. Hey guys, so I have to tell you this really quick story about my experience with short-term rental host guidebooks. So two years ago, my wife Gabby and I were on a podcast roadshow. We were actually collecting stories for this podcast, Behind the Stays, in the greater Asheville area. So we arrived in Asheville a couple of hours before our check-in, and we asked our host if there were any good recommendations for a lunch spot. He responded saying that he had a plethora of recommendations in his guidebook, but that we should certainly check out Wicked Weed Brewing Pub. So we went to the pub and our burgers were absolutely delicious so we couldn't wait to uncover what other recommendations he had in his guidebook but upon arrival there was no guidebook to be found we looked on the kitchen counter the dining room table even the closet of the guest bedroom but nope no guidebook 
Now, we're not that extra, but we were pretty high up in the mountains and the internet service was spotty at best. So it made it really difficult to kind of figure out where we should go to dinner. So after 30 minutes of searching, we sat down on the couch and my wife said, why aren't there digital guidebooks for guests? Well, as it turns out, there are. And our new friends at Touchstay are the industry leaders. Touchstay enables hosts to build beautiful digital guidebooks in a matter of minutes and enhance the guest experience by packaging your recommendations for coffee, wine bars, artisan bakeries, and Michelin star restaurants in a single online location. Guests can access everything through a really simple link. And yes, it works without a Wi-Fi connection. Touchstay allows you to customize your guidebooks to match your brand. You can pick the colors, fonts, and images that best align with your STR, and it only costs $99 a year. Learn more about a plethora of other features they have and start your free trial at touchstay.com forward slash BTS, as in behind the stays. Oh, and while we didn't ever find our Asheville host guidebook, the cleaners did. It was in the trash. Apparently, the guest before had spilled a whole pot of coffee on it, and they were so embarrassed that they threw the whole guidebook away. I guess it was a blessing in disguise, though, because we told our host about Touchstay, and a year later, when we went back to his cabin, Touchstay was there, and it was absolutely perfect. So start your free trial of Touchstay at touchstay.com forward slash BTS. Again, that's BTS as in behind the stays. All right, guys, back to the show. I want to talk about SEO because um, not... I, I personally, so I, my background is in marketing. Um, and again, not in the hospitality space, but I helped build and scale a, a marketing agency over the last several years. Uh, and I had a growth there. Um, and w- we've like over the last five years really pivoted to become an SEO first agency. So SEO is the kind of where most of our time and energy and effort goes. Um, but when I came into this space, I was, I've been surprised to hear how little it's talked about uh, in, in like a meaningful way. And so when I stumbled upon you and her, was introduced to you by uh, a mutual friend of ours and then went and stalked your LinkedIn profile, I, I noticed that uh, you have a robust experience in SEO, which was like, oh, okay, hey, the book, the book direct guy, like, of course, of course he knows SEO. Like that makes sense, right? But how did, how did you, how did you first learn SEO and uh, what are just, what are just just like a couple of uh, maybe, maybe some of like the lesser well-known tactics that hosts who are interested in building a solid direct booking strategy um, should, should be taking seriously. Um, okay, so I'll go back to the first part of your question in terms of my history with SEO. Um, so uh, I referred to before the fact that I worked in business travel for a few years in yeah. London. And um, I worked on a few websites and I helped just create, build websites from scratch. But as you well know, Zach, uh, building and creating a website is a very different thing to actually working on an, uh, you know, a, an SEO strategy, yeah. a search engine optimization strategy and an effective one. And as we know, developers and SEOs work in very, di- very different ways. Uh, so when I finished my my last job before I worked for myself, which was uh, about 10 and a half years ago, okay. um, um, at that point, I was quite burnt out by the job I was in. But it kind of fascinated, fascinated me in, in how search engines like Google rewarded some sites over others. Hmm. And it was very, for me, it's very simplistic like, like that. What, what? How can I get rewarded? How can I get a better organic ranking? 
Um, so I, I really put in my heart and soul into, uh, into this for about a year just to learn SEO. Um, it was very different 10 years ago. Yeah. To how it, <laughs> uh, it could be very, the, the system could be manipulated and played uh, by effectively even just, just dumping a whole load of keywords into a page um, and uh, to hide those keywords and just, uh, you know, throw it out there. Google would pick it up because your keyword had been mentioned a ton of times, and boom, you'd rank um, at the top of, uh, of uh, the uh, SERPs. No it, longer the case. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if only it was still that easy. <laughs> oh, we missed those days. Um, yeah, so things have changed a lot. But in reality, much like regulation in our industry, it's for the best yeah. because um, search engines reward better content. And for websites that are maintained more and have fresh content and uh, recycled content even. So so that was really the history. It started about 10 years ago. Um, I picked up a few clients in my first couple of years. That, and when I say clients, these were property management companies, small ones, um, who wanted to look at you know increasing their organic positioning um, online. And um, yeah, kind of things really just grew from there um, to the point that up until about three years ago, I had many um, large clients who have into, into the hundreds of properties and um, helping them wow. with, with their, their SEO and their PPC campaigns um, and various parts of their, their whole SEM strategy. Um, so that's kind of the history. Yeah. Um, in terms of the second part of your question was what kind of strategies that that companies out there should be looking at. Yeah, um, like if, if and, and you know, you take this question in whatever direction you want. I mean, even even somebody who's got, I don't know, maybe uh, a few, four to six kind of uh, properties, they've kind of built a cool brand for themselves on Instagram, but they might not have a solid, you know, uh, they might not be ranking well when it comes to, to SEO. They might not have a solid direct booking strategy to begin with. And I would argue, right, having a solid SEO strategy is, is instrumentally important if you want a solid direct booking strategy. And so just any any tips you might give folks, um, maybe maybe we do this in two ways. Maybe we start with like, all right, if you if you aren't ranking for anything meaningful, right, here are kind of two or three things that you should do over the next, you know, six months, right, to try to increase rankings ver- versus, hey, if you've already, you know, you've got a portfolio of 25, you know, 30 homes and you are ranking for some things, here are some ways you might want to go ahead and and up your game, so to speak. Sure. Um, well, I think perhaps from some smaller operators, um, the the first ones you mentioned, I think what what is, let me see, yeah, two things that are really important. Yeah. One, and this is under the assumption that you have a website yep. that can't make bookings, of course, which yep. isn't necessarily the case, uh, <laughs> but a guest-facing website is obviously of uh, paramount importance. Um, I think doing really methodical keyword research is hugely important. Um, because without knowing what your prospective guests and um, people are searching for online, there is utterly no point in in uh, taking time out to produce quality content unless you know what their uh, your your guest is actually looking for. Yeah. Um, and when I say that, also I don't include trying to um, rank for keywords like um miami vacation rentals yep. because you are never going to win at that game you will never beat those top otas uh but looking at a lot more long-tailed keywords uh which you and i will know all about zach but uh for for those who are perhaps earlier um in in their on that down that road it's it's things that 
uh, perhaps don't have as much search volume, but they have more of a level in intent and they're more, they, they generally have longer kind of search phrases. So they could be um, Miami vacation rentals in the Wynwood area that are pet friendly, something yeah. like that, that have these various um, additional kind of parts uh, to the, to the, um, to the, to the query that people are asking for. A few, um, um, optimized landing pages around those specific things, you have a much higher chance of ranking on that top page, those top few um, uh, SERP results uh, for those those given phrases. That, that will be one of the key things I would say. Yeah. So for those um, smaller operators, make sure you know, actually, um, once you've done some, some new, um, published some new content and you've got a bit of a strategy, then what? Do you know actually the milestones? Do you know what data you're you're actually acquiring? Do you know what conversions um, you are you're making? You know, use Google Analytics or some kind of data um, driven uh, software because without it, you don't know what's working. Yeah. and uh, it's almost pointless. Um, yes, you you might see some bookings coming in or inquiries, but know the statistics, know the data, know where that, well, know your visitor is coming from, you know. Use things like Search Console as well. Search yeah. Console is the one thing that I would say everyone has to has to check out uh, because that's it's free and there is gold in there as well. Yeah, and, and that's, we don't want to lose people uh, as far in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could think Search Console, and especially for those who are who are a bit more established, um, use everything in Search Console. Yeah. And just and just so just so people know what Search Console is, it's a way that you can get um, data and insight into what are the queries that people are searching for um, when they're fi- when they find your content, right? When they find your website content, and I like I would uh, one of the things, Damien, that I just want to uh, throw in here too is I've been so if you're if you're a little bit more advanced, right? Which we'll talk about in a second. There are lots of other tools out there that are like paid offerings, like SEMrush and uh, Ahrefs, which are more sophisticated SEO uh, research tools, which m- most people probably won't need at least at the at the offset. If you again, if you want to take a more aggressive SEO strategy, I think that these things can be helpful. But one of the things um, you, that you can do in Search Console. Um, and or even Google Keyword Planner that I have found super helpful is is the ability to know like, oh, what well, like you might actually be ranking well on like the second page of Google in position like, I don't know, like 12 or 13, right? So you're not actually on that first page, but you're ranking for like a pretty niche uh, long tail keyword on that second page of Google. And if you're wondering like, hey, where where should I put my time and energy in terms of creating content around like, you know, the, the area where my uh, where my short-term rental is located and or that, you know, why we built this short-term rental the way that we did, et cetera. If you're looking for content strategy direction, figure out what are the keywords that you are already ranking for in some capacity and what does it look like to double down first there before you just start going and publishing content on like five other things that you find interesting. That's great if you, if you just want to publish more content. That's not necessarily like a wise SEO strategy. It's better to go and create more content around the areas where you already have some traction, right? So areas, if you're to use the analogy that you've already thrown out, if you've got a Miami vacation rental and, you know, pets and you're ranking like, at, you know, number 13 right now, what does it look like to go create more content using those that that same long tail keyword over the next three months? with the goal of getting to that first page of Google. Again, you might still be in position eight or nine or, or 10, but you'll have made it to the first page, which is obviously incredibly meaningful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There, There is so much uh, key data in there. That's one. 
those um, and actually it's worth saying as well you can be ranking for many different search queries but uh, through the one page as well yeah so uh, it's worth uh, just just keeping that in mind uh, one quality long form piece of content can rank your website for numerous search uh, search phrases online as well so um, it's not necessarily one thing per page yeah uh, and yep. what, what I the last thing I'll say before I, I want to hear your thoughts on kind of the more sophisticated uh, um, operator as well um, or an operator with just a, a larger uh, portfolio but one other thing I'll just say here too is that a lot of people in this space are really good at like creating content like or, or you know they're they they have an affinity towards content creation which is actually one of the things that a lot of people in other spaces uh really struggle with right and and seo today has become good seo strategy as you, as you mentioned earlier damien has become so synonymous with like good content strategy that like i think what's cool about this industry is at least from the the people that i've grown to to know and love they've got lots of ideas for how to create great content. And that's actually the thing that a lot of other industries, they struggle with. They, they can do technical SEO all day. But when it comes to like the content-based SEO, which is more important today than ever before, that's where they fall flat. So if you like creating content, think about SEO as just a way to make sure that the work, that the time and energy that you spent creating that content is actually gonna serve you really, really well for months and even in years to come. Yeah, I, I would add to that, um, Think about not just search engines and how you're pleasing those search engines and the the uh, the bots that are calling your site, but also think of your end user. Yeah. Because if you're, you, you can be ranking quite well for um, a given search phrase on search engines. However, your your text and your copy can be quite robotic mm. and quite dull to read. So for me, I always think. Write for the reader first. Yeah. Uh, have that as, as your priority and work backwards and see how then the, um, the actual phrases are ranking. Um, um, but always write for the user first because otherwise you can rank all day long in any position. However, if the uh, traveler comes onto your site with, with uh, an intent and sees this really dull robot, robotic form of writing, they will leave yeah. instantly. So yeah. So um, I would myself. My advice is to get proper professional writers on board as well. Yeah. Uh, I need two or three here in Europe, and they're you know they're going to write something fantastic. They're not cheap, um, of course. You know I wouldn't be going to Fiverr or one of the cheaper sites to do that. I've yeah. made that mistake, um, <laughs> so I, I will. I would not do that again. Um, but it's worth spending the the time and the money uh, to create some some really good quality content that you're. Your end, your your website visitor will read and hopefully either make that booking or yeah. make that inquiry or you know um, at least you might get their email address yeah. through some uh, you know some lead generation or something. Yeah, and and I think like two two ways of sort of evaluating how you're doing here are one right just on your conversion rate right your visit to conversion rate assuming it's like you know not 0.001% now again this is going to depend on how much traffic your website gets there's a lot of variables here but assuming like over time that conversion rate is either increasing while your traffic increases and or is maintaining you know more or less the same but your traffic is like 10x that's a really good indicator that oh okay like the writing like the copy is doing what the copy is supposed to do we're ranking well once they get to our website we're actually converting them in a, in a meaningful way and one of the ways to kind of evaluate that is conversion rate. The other thing that I would just add to you is, is time spent on page. For a lot of operators too, like to your point, if, if I'm not ready to make a formal booking or an, or an, an inquiry, 
Um, if I'm spending a lot of time on your page, it's also a signal to Google that I'm finding value on your site, right? So if my time spent on your page or my time spent on your domain overall is, you know, continuing, if that if that average is continuing to go up, that's also just a good indicator that you're that you're resonating with with the reader. Yeah, I, I feel like we could talk all day. On I know, this, I know. We got to move on. We got to move on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, one, one thing I just got to add to that video. Uh, ah, you, yes. The power of video to keep people on your site and increase that dwell time is just, it's through the roof. So yeah. I encourage everyone to explore uh, video content, video marketing, embedding within your website, using the power of YouTube as a search engine as well. There's there's so much power to to video marketing so yeah but anyway, and, I, anyway. and i feel like at this point we've just told even like the larger operators everything that they should be doing more or less <laughs> right like if they want more they've got to go and and, and hire you damien for your your uh, <laughs> services but um sure. this is great this is fun I, yeah i geek out about this stuff but i but i do think damien for what it's worth too like this is something that just isn't talked enough about again in 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 this space and if you do want to build a meaningful direct booking strategy i really feel like you have to take seo seriously and um it just seems like this is a a little bit of like an under underserved um or, or maybe not even underserved it's it's just a strategy that isn't getting as much airtime as i feel like it deserves yeah. well um I, I may as well let a bit of a cat out of the bag here oh, because please. we we are going to very shortly announce details of a uh, a, a week of um, events and conferences in Barcelona next May. Um, as uh, the book direction and scale will be part of this, but also one that we've got in the pipeline that we're working on is specifically a an SEO for short term rental summit. Beautiful. Uh, that will be a half day summit uh, dedicated to SEO. Uh, and we, we've got a few speakers kind of earmarked. Uh, hey, we might even talk about this, Zach. Um, <laughs> Because purely for that, it's not talked about enough. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult. And people do, their eyes glaze at the thought of SEO. We, it's one of those things we know is important, but we are we willing to invest the time, the money, uh, you know, knowing that it's going to be six, nine, 12 months before anything really, you know, you get clear milestones. It's uh, it's tricky, especially when you think of OTAs when, boom, within within a couple of hours, you can have your first booking. Yeah. Uh, or a click campaign on AdWords where it's the same. Within minutes, you can have some booking. So yeah. Uh, it's it's a hard one to to balance out but for me there's only one option hey guys it's zach if you're enjoying this episode could you do me two very quick favors first this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of behind the stays it would mean the world to me if you take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. 
So uh, let's let's hear the story of the the book direct show. So like when when did this idea first begin to percolate? And so you're working in SEO, you've kind of built up this this portfolio of clients. Um, you're probably doing some other consulting. You're still managing your your property in the south of Spain. Uh, at what point do you have this idea for an event? It's quite simple, actually. Um, so the more I brought on uh, clients, um, the more they start asking me to do other things. Um, so I did, I, you know, PPC, I'm, I'm quite okay with, and I, I work on uh, my clients' AdWords campaigns. However, there were n- numerous other things that my clients would say, hey, Damien, this is great. You know, can you, can you do our social for us? Mm. Can, you, can you do our branding? And I'd go, nope, um, that's, that's <laughs> not my game. I'm not, I like, I'm, I despise Facebook anyway at the best of times. Uh, but I, I'm not the right person for you to engage people on social. I just don't know how to do that. Um, you know, I know my skill set, um, but I do know people who can help. So I'd, I'd be, I'd refer uh, my network to, uh, to my clients and vice versa. And it j- just kind of got, you know, the wheels in motion, just thinking, hey, maybe there's, potential to bring people together in some kind of community or event or platform whereby we can share ideas uh, and all of these weird but wonderful ways of of, uh, of generating more book direct bookings and reducing that overall reliance on on you know those big name otas that we that we love and hate yeah <laughs> um I, so it really yeah one day I, I was in london um about three or four years ago and i just put some money down on a hotel. I went around and saw a whole load and I said, okay, look, let's, let's find one that will fit a hundred people in and let's do it. And it was as simple as that. Zach. I put the money down um, and then obviously worried for the next six months thinking, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? I've, I've never run an event before. I'm out of my depth here. Uh, but that, that really was the, the kind of the, the, the history behind it and how kind of quickly it developed. And, um, and in terms of timeline, wasn't this like, wasn't this like right before COVID hit? Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> so I, I mid mid two thousand. Oh, probably the autumn fall. Okay. Uh, of two thousand nineteen, I put money down on this hotel, uh, and you know these these hotels are not cheap for these <laughs> events. Um, and then we got into the new year, and you know my planning was was uh, you know kind of going well. And as February hit, things were you know we were kind of. We were kind of getting there. We, we were uh, the event was the end of February, nearly done, and then we're hearing all these stories about you know, this this new pandemic that no one had ever heard about was sweeping through the world, and uh, yeah, it was it was a bit anxious. Uh, but we we got through it with like a couple of weeks to spare before international lockdown started. So wow. it was uh, it was fraught, but it was but it was great. Yeah. We uh, we we uh, we packed out. We had we had a couple of sponsors. We and you know more more importantly, it kind of made me realize that hey, it's not just me who wants something, ju- uh, an event just for to help us with uh, strategies for direct bookings. There are other people out there. Yeah. So it was yeah, it was great. Wow, that's amazing, dude. So, um, talk to us a little bit about what you like. What did you learn, right? Having uh, you know, never pulled off an event like this before. Like, what what are what are maybe a couple, two to three of the of of the things that people might be surprised about around like designing a great event. Like as you reflected on the event, obviously hey, try to avoid, you know, global pandemics uh, as much <laughs> as you can. But beyond that, like what are, what are a couple of things that you learned through this experience around how to design um, and, and really kind of host, right. Uh, a successful event. 
Well, I'd say after that first one, um, COVID aside, the first thing I, I learned was don't try to do it all by yourself. Mm. You, need, you need a few people to help you, at very least to bounce ideas from and just know you're on the right track. Um, but as we've moved on, uh, we had our fourth in Miami, fourth book direction in Miami. We've had a few scale rentals show events um, in, um, over the last year. Um, I guess, the, let me see, what are the main things we've learned? I, I think content curation is really important. Mm. We, we spend a long time choosing our speakers. Yeah. Um, a lot of sponsors um, will want to speak. Yeah. That's how it is. Uh, <laughs> every sponsor will say, yeah, can we have a speaking opportunity? We are quite strict in that we say effectively, no, no, you can't. You please do apply to be a speaker, but there is no guarantee here at all. We choose our speakers uh, based upon their experience, their knowledge, and also how it reflects on how our attendees, what they're saying when they sign up, because we ask our attendees what they want to hear about, what yeah. they want to learn about. So I think um, choosing our speakers carefully has, has worked very well for us. Uh, we don't just allow sponsors um, to, to speak. Um, and, and maybe the other thing that I've really learned over the last year is networking, networking, networking. Mm. Because we can spend so much time on amazing speakers. And sometimes we know who they are. Uh, and we know the value they have, but not everybody does. Yeah. Um, we know that a lot of people are there to meet other property managers yeah. more than anything. And that's the value that they take home with them. Uh, and certainly at our scale rental show, which is a bit different, um, last May, that was the overriding feedback that the, the networking element and talking and listening and sharing ideas, that was by far the, uh, the, the biggest kind of uh, reward that they got from the yeah. show. So uh, I think networking alongside the, the just the, the speaker um, um, selection is probably the, the two things that I've learned most. Yeah, um, build something that that has worked for us so far. Two two quick things there. One one is just that um, I, I think I, I love that you're talking about networking because I think especially in the world that many of us are still living in, which is hey, we're working remotely, we don't have we don't have to go into an office building nine to five, right? A lot of property managers, you know, obviously, <laughs> weren't doing that to, to begin with. But like, the, the way in which like, the world works has has and will have, you know, uh, but it, it, yeah, I can't tell the future. But as far as I can say, as far as I can see, like, we're not going to go back to exactly the way that it, it was ever. And so in light of that, a lot of the networking opportunities that I think folks would get with like, colleagues right or or just like a you know a happy hour a local meetup down the street a lot of those are just still harder to come by today than they ever were and so i think that the power of like community and finding people in and getting convert getting to converse with these people in real life in meaningful ways has never been more important so i think that's one of the reasons why you know coming out of covid people were super happy to like meet and network with other people that thought like them right or thought a little bit differently than them but that they could learn from that were in their their, their respective industry and then yeah. and then two i think to your point content curation at these things is incredibly important because while people will say that it's about the networking I, I've done, I've not put on myself, but I've participated in lots of industry events uh, in, in other industries over the course of the last decade. And one of the things that I've learned, I've also helped different associations with with their marketing, is that while people say they come for the networking, if the content is not good, they don't come back or they don't stay. Like, the networking is often not enough to justify the expense of, you know, and the time to, to come to the show. It, it's 
if what people say they like most, but if the content is shitty, like it's just, yeah. they're not, they're just not going to be able to come back or they're not going to afford this. So I, I, I love that you guys take the content curation so, so seriously. Um, and I love the fact that you don't automatically grant uh, sponsors uh, a speaking gig. Cause again, it's hard to do like it, you, you want their money and you, you, like they're your customer too. And like they are more often than not paying significantly more than just an attendee. And so in light of that, it's, it's a tough decision, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that you guys are leaning into this. Especially when you have a potential sponsor who say, yeah, we're in so long as you can guarantee a <laughs> spot. And when you have to say, nope, uh, you know, you potentially lose that sponsor. Uh, you know, that is tough financially, but we've, we've had that policy really from the start. And, uh, and it's something I, I feel that has worked, uh, well up to this point yeah. and we will, we will carry on. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's like a we'll, good we'll, SEO strategy. You're pri- you're prioritizing great content, right? Uh, even at the risk of maybe pissing a few people off. But in the long term, like I think that that's that's the strategy. That's that's what's going to win. Um, yeah. So I, I hope most organizations who are considering sponsoring us do do respect that, and they see that the value is actually going to benefit them in the end. Yeah, uh, more attendees returning year on year. And or like it's it's also just I think a bold challenge to be like okay as you submit your um your proposal for your you know your gig your speaking opportunity craft that with like you know craft that carefully like if you really want to be able to speak great like there's still the opportunity to do so just make sure that you you know the pitch that you put together the abstract is like you know you've actually got a compelling story to tell so I, I love that it puts a little bit more of the onus on the sponsor to think a little bit more critically before submitting that um which yep. is great. You're a kick-ass Airbnb host. In fact, you've done such a great job at marketing your short-term rental on Instagram that you're pretty much entirely booked for the next six to 12 months. And while it doesn't happen regularly, every so often there's a cancellation or just one random three-night window of availability in the middle of the week. Now, posting about the fact that you've had a cancellation or that you've got just three nights left in February on your Instagram story is a great start, but what if you could automatically notify interested guests the second a cancellation comes through? And that's where Ping comes in. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and integrates with your Airbnb listing and allows your fans and followers to sign up to be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked for the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and will be pinged if their requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which allows you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping. It's what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. Sign up for free at www.bnbping.com. Ping. Brought to you by Spontaneous. Damien, so a scale rental show. This is this is just kind of an obvious like offshoot after the book direct show comes to be, or what's the story there? Not so much an offshoot, Zach. So um, I go to a lot of conferences, mostly in Europe, but I was at Burma recently in, in Las Vegas. Um, but really, it was um, it came as a result of my own experience when speaking to 
professional property managers uh, mostly, and those who have got 20, 50, 100 properties plus. Yeah. Um, I, I really got a sense that they weren't getting enough out of the out of the shows. They weren't. They didn't feel like they were mixing with similarly like-minded and scaling um, companies. They they felt that they, you know perhaps they were with someone who had a had a different kind of um, interest, a different agenda to them. Perhaps you know put yourself, I guess, in in that situation whereby you've got five hundred properties in yeah. you know in a certain area, and you're sitting beside or you're having drinks next to somebody who's got a room for for rent on Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're <laughs> very different stages of your, and you know, similarly that works both ways. Um, but you're at very different stages of your, um, you know, of your careers. Yeah. Uh, so we we felt hey, uh, and it was just, it was especially prominent that the the larger PMs were were felt this, and we we interviewed quite a few afterwards just to see you know is this the case? So we thought hey, is there is there an opportunity here? And this is myself and my uh, my co-founder Gianpaolo, who's uh, based in in Barcelona. Okay. He we we thought hey, let's let's try one event again. It was just a bit off the cuff. Um, that is dedicated just to those professional property managers. So um, no one else gets in. You have to have a minimum amount of properties. We had it at 50 at Bar- in Barcelona in May. Okay. Um, we bet. So basically, people can't buy tickets. People have to effectively, I don't want to say apply, but they have to register their interest. And we need and to And then be invited. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they get a, um, uh, a link to purchase tickets if we can clearly see that they have a minimum number of properties. So it was a lot of a, a manual process. We we rejected about seventy percent plus of uh, of companies that wow. registered their interest. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of work. However, the value of everybody who came, knowing that everybody else in the room was only a property manager with that amount of properties, was gold. We the feedback we had afterwards was phenomenal. Um, it was it was so pleasing to yeah. know again that uh, a hunch that we had. Um, had actually worked and um yeah no since we've had one in paris uh, a couple of days ago we've got one in milan day after tomorrow so i'm traveling tomorrow to milan so it's uh yeah it's it's a it's something that's built up phenomenally quickly in in less than a year's work wow um, so it's been it's been amazing yeah it's been a lot of fun uh, very challenging, hard work, but the, the Scale Rentals brand has um, has has really well for me. It's been very successful. Yeah, that's incredible. So, how how many people are like over the last three events? Like, so between uh, Paris and and the one in Barcelona, and now the one in Milan. Like, how many people are we talking that have that will have come to these events? So we have obviously we have exhibitors and speakers who come to the event as well. However, we do not allow any vendors to buy tickets. Okay. Um, so uh, again, the, 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 our partners know that everyone who's who's in the room is only a property manager. Um, so we had in uh, Barcelona, we had 150 property wow. managers uh, there. We um, in Par- uh, sorry, that was Barcelona in Paris. Um, a few days ago, we had about 100, uh, 130, 140. And in Milan, a couple of days, we got about two hundred. Wow! So uh, that is in- yeah, that is incredible, man. Congratulate like that, like that's a big deal. Like spinning up a, a brand new event, right, and launching three of them back to back, right, in in very like sh- you know different markets too, like yeah, in, in, in in different <laughs> different situations here, like different contexts. Like that's 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 no like small deal. 
it's not. And some people would think we're utterly ludicrous doing this <laughs> in, in our first year. Um, but the value of doing these in different languages as well, as we, we saw in Paris, was 100% in French. Wow. Uh, and my French is not great. So I was the kind of one looking a bit bewildered at the back. I'd be even worse in Italy because I don't speak a word of Italian. Um, <laughs> but my, fortunately, my colleague Gianpaolo does, who's hosting the event. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we kind of felt like it's, this isn't just the case across certain countries. It's the case in you know, numerous countries uh, that, where short-term rentals exist. So we wanted to spread, spread the word, spread these kind of regional events as well, yeah. and meetings that we do too. And uh, yeah, so we've got plans next year for one in the UK, We've got a company we're speaking to in South Africa as well to do one. So we're, there's there's a lot of uh, yeah, uh, a lot of growth and a lot of scale. Exactly what we uh, what we're what, what you're what all about. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's fun. Ah, that's amazing. One one quick note too on um how how diligent you all are being with um ensuring that the event that you're putting on is is attracting and is for a, a very kind of like niche target audience. Uh, I, I'm seeing the same thing. I'm I'm involved in a number as I've am building my own startup. I'm involved with a, a number of different online communities, right? Like these, you've probably seen them. They're like pay to play, like Slack communities or Facebook groups. I know that you hate Facebook, but like this idea of hey, you know, pay us ten bucks a month, twenty bucks a month, thirty bucks a month, whatever it is, get access to this like group of like minded people. I have just canceled like three, uh, like I, I, I'm kind of a nerd about these things. So I'm probably a part of too many to begin with, but I just, I just canceled three of them specifically because it, they, the, the way that they've managed the community has, has just been terrible. They've just let people like too many people in to begin with, you know, just the, the quantity is too much. But beyond that, a lot of what you, you had in the, the early days of those of those communities is just is just gone because they were we, they were really intentional up front and then they're like I don't know they got a little like money hungry and they're like let's just open this up right we got we got a good thing working here and I, I'm now like joining a different community which I'm I'm paying more for but with the guarantee that everyone who's a part of this community has like you know monthly recurring revenue that's equivalent to you know more or less equivalent to where my startup sat uh, it gives me the opportunity to know that oh hey there's a max of like a hundred people that are a part of this thing at any given time every year like you know you re-up you reapply and I'm I'm, wi- I'm willing to pay more of a premium to come to this and to join this because I know that okay this is going to be where I find not just noise but but value and I do believe right in the same way as the internet just gets more saturated with content when it comes to events and in-person experiences people are people do want right we live in a world where we can kind of have whatever we want whenever we want right and because of that like um we 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 can now be way more selective of like where we spend our time and so i think models like you are implementing with the book direct show and scale rentals that's the future of of event marketing and and event management and and really just community is hey how do we design the best possible experience for not the masses but for but for a niche audience and then how do we deliver exceptionally to that niche audience so that they go and tell other people in their niche audience in their niche networks to come in and participate in this thing so i love i'm just fanboying i guess a little bit here uh, around like what you've built because i think that this is the future of events i totally agree zach and you you used the word there community and i think that's really important here we we never want these events to go pretty much beyond 200 people or so 200 attendees because the, the, the feedback that we get is it's, in, it's an intimate, uh, close environment over a couple of days where people you can meet people again and again yeah. over that time. It's not just yeah. one, 
and then or half the people you you didn't even realize were actually there and you find out a few weeks later it's always going to be an intimate uh, um kind of affair but the community aspect is really important because especially with the book direct show how i started that was that it's not about me in any way yes i can help and i can speak to people about seo but it's about bringing all of these people together who are experts. Yeah. And for me, if one person can drive this forward um, in terms of their own brand. It's a community of people. A book direct show is a community of of, uh, of partners, of speakers, and of attendees. And it's the same with the scale rental show now. It's it's all about the people. Um, and get, getting too big will will never be the case for us because we we would totally lose the the experience. Yeah. And it's and it's all about the experience. You want people coming back um, again and again. Ah, so well said, man. Well, hey, this has been amazing. I really appreciate uh, your time, Damien, and it's been fun to just kind of riff on SEO and and marketing and and what you're what you're building. Uh, for folks that you know want to learn more about uh, the Scale Rentals Show, or the Book Direct Show, uh, and or just you know connect with you, what's the what's the best way for them to do so? LinkedIn, as you uh, alluded to before, <laughs> I've, uh, I'm, I'm quite a regular on LinkedIn. So Damien, D A M I A N Sheridan. S-H-E-R-I-D-A-N um, or the Book Direct Show, which is bookdirect.show or the Scale Rentals Show, scalerentals.show. Um, fairly easy domains. And yeah, yeah, please, I, I always encourage people just to just drop me a line. Say hello. And, uh, you know, hopefully we meet in person. If not, yeah, follow each other on uh, on social, on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, let's building the community. You know, yeah. and everyone's part of it. Uh, I love it. And we'll go ahead and we'll drop those links in the show notes too. So folks, if you are listening to this and want to connect with Damien and learn more about uh, Scale Rentals and the Book Direct Show, just go ahead and scroll on down to the show notes and you'll find uh, more than a few links that you can uh, click on to further engage with with Damien. Thank you, sir, for your time. It's been a, it's been a real privilege. It really has, Zach. Yeah, I could have I talked all day there. Uh, <laughs> we'll start to stop at some point. Cool. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe. Um, And thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.